Hello, and welcome to the EuroWhat, episode 112 for the week of March 22nd, 2021. I'm Ben Smith, and I'm joined today by Mike McComb. Hey, Mike. Hello. We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest, and this week we'll be talking about the final batch of entries for Eurovision 2021. Oh, man, I can't believe that we are finally at the end of selection season. (laughs) We did it. It felt real weird on Saturday being outside in the beautiful sunshine instead of sitting on my couch watching Estonian television. I I will miss selection season a couple weeks from now. It's like, oh, I just want to watch performances and not actually understand what's going on. But it was good to get some errands done. And yeah, it's going to be a bit of an adjustment as we wait for the big event in May. Mm-hmm. It was a lovely treat after weeks of trying to understand what's going on in Italy to just be outside and not be thinking about Eurovision for five minutes. And also, we only have three songs to talk about instead of 10. This is <laughs> such a delightful change of pace. This is a reasonable number of songs to talk about in a given week, not 12. Yeah, and all three of the songs came out last Monday, so right before our previous episode dropped. That was pretty handy. Very um, nice. So, Thank yeah. you, Nations. Yes, I guess all we have to talk about is Azerbaijan, Georgia, and Malta. So let's dive in. Let's talk about Azerbaijan. Effendi is representing them again, and she is bringing Matahari. The army of lovers. So I think with this one, it's closer to Dance the Kung Fu than Let's Twist Again as sequel songs <laughs> yes, go. Yes, I, uh, I, <laughs> I love a deep music cut reference like that. Thank you. Yeah, it's really disappointing. Like I'm surprised that this is what Azerbaijan landed on. I feel similarly that this is the gravy to mashed potato time. <laughs> Yes, a lot of artists are sticking with what their definite musical style is, but this feels like a carbon copy of Cleopatra, although not as interesting. Not as interesting or as historically accurate, although now that that those words are tumbling out of my mouth, just like, wait, how accurate was Cleopatra? (laughs) I feel like our, our potential Google search into how accurate Cleopatra was is lost to the sands of time just because of last year's contest. But I took the liberty of Googling, hey, what was Matahari's whole deal? Because I think of her as, as I think many of us do, as this iconic example of the femme fatale, the sexy double agent using her feminine wiles to, to do big spy things. And it turns out that likely wasn't the case. And one thing I find really interesting is that Matahari is Dutch. Nice nod to the host country. So, <laughs> Is it? Anyways, it is... Likely that Matahari is not as clever of a femme fatale as we think that she was, because she was untrained. She was never really learning information of value. She was doing essentially like newspaper delivery for the Germans, and then signed a contract with the French to be a double agent, but the French likely knew that she was going to be a double agent. Ultimately means that she became a scapegoat for the French who were not doing so hot in the war and just wanted somebody to blame all of their wartime defeats on. You get none of this from Azerbaijan's entry, which admittedly, that's a lot to fit in a three-minute pop song. Yeah. <laughs> this is not for educational TV, although I do like the mental image of Azerbaijan continuing to pick different women in history until they get it right. 
Well, it's part of their Schoolhouse Rock series of Eurovision entries. And yeah, it's also part of a legacy of Matahari and pop culture. The the list that I found, she was the inspiration for a bunch of movies. There was a 1982 episode of Fantasy Island about Matahari. <laughs> there have been five stage musicals about her, an opera, and a two-act performance by the Dutch National Ballet. Neat. The song, lyrically, it feels like they read the Matahari Wikipedia page, and by read, I mean skimmed. Mostly, it's just referencing bits of Cleopatra, which if you're coming in on the night and we didn't have a contest last year, there's no Easter egg for you of, oh, that's their song from last year. True. Yeah. And the chorus is just so uninspired. This really is just filling three minutes. The chorus is one of those things that you like where the, the meme is constantly, look at what pop songs were like 50 years ago and look at what they're like now. And it took eight people to write this. And it seems like they had a whole bunch of choices. So I'm wondering what the other choices had or did not have that they were just like, no, not that one. We want to go with this. We're going to go with the one that's clearly biting on last year's song. That's a winning strategy. Azerbaijan's usually pretty good at pulling a rabbit out of a hat. So maybe this will just have amazing staging or something. It remains to be seen. All right. So the next one that we're going to talk about comes from Georgia. It's Tornike Kipiani's You. similar to how us talking about Azerbaijan's entries whole thing was lost to what happened with the contest last year. What we also missed was us doing our initial rankings and me discovering how high on my list Georgia was. That was shockingly high. That was clearly going through. It was not on the bubble. It was solidly in the middle of my 10. Yeah, I I remember I was very bullish on that one. I'm happy to hear that it it grew on you. It, Uh, It surprised me how much was like, oh, I like what this is doing. Anyways, this is doing a different thing, and it's less of my thing. I think it's very lovely, and I think that it's great that we're getting to see a different side of Tornike, but it feels like whiplash from the vibe of last year's song. I get that. I think it would have been problematic if he did something along the same lines as last year's song, because last year's song was very pointed. Agreed. Yeah, if, if he did something like that again, I think it would have raised questions like, why is Georgia even participating if they're this dissatisfied with how things are going? But I feel like this is a very strategic entry. And I like that Georgia plays the game. To me, this song feels like the last track of an album where it just like fades out and it's more of a jam session than it is an actual song. So it's like the last track being like nine minutes long or something. It's just kind of easing out of the album. I think it's a good song. I'm not sure it would be a single from the album. I fully agree with you there. Especially like extended album closer definitely feels like this. This does not feel like a three minute song. This feels like three minutes of a larger song. Going back to the strategery thing, I really think that it's going to provide relief in semifinal two because you're going to have all of the action of the first half. And then you get into this one where it's like, oh, it's just 
breathing for like three minutes. And I think that's going to help it stand out in a very important way. I feel like that this is a track that could have been arranged in several different ways or genres or styles and they would have adjusted it based on what the rest of the field looks like yeah i can see that happening and i can totally see this being a a cleansing sorbet amid all of the very rich courses that semifinal two is stacking up to have Maybe sorbet is not the right one, just because there is going to be sugar in the first half. But <laughs> I mean, it's just going to be sugar on top of sugar on top of everything else. So something savory or, I don't know, a bit of mint. <laughs> Some different refreshing flavor profile. But yeah, George is playing the game here. And I really appreciate that. So. <laughs> and we love to see gamesmanship. I'm interested to see how this one grows with me the way that their entry last year did. And then our, our last entry is Malta, who had the, the last song release with Destiny and Je Me My problem with Destiny's song last year was it didn't feel like it was true to her life experience. She sang the song well. I just didn't believe it from her. This song, I 100% believe, is a song of hers. And I am so excited about this entry. M Malta is definitely playing the game. And I, I think they have a real shot here. Yes. Yeah, the, the, that matches a lot of my notes. We're just talking about last year, this episode, apparently. We had a bunch of conversations about Destiny is great. This song doesn't feel like her. It felt like the sort of thing that you give to an X Factor winner that you just write for one of these five people and they can sing this song. We had not quite hit what kind of artist she should be emulating. This song has big Lizzo energy. It's a very Eurovision version of Lizzo, but it's big Lizzo energy. That is what Eurovision needs. That is a very good path to go down. I would definitely agree with that. Lizzo didn't even occur to me. I was thinking more Fifth Harmony. I think it was the horn breaks in the song, which just felt like a couple of Fifth Harmony tracks. But yeah, I think Lizzo is also a great ingredient to add to this mix. There's so much joy to this song. It's so fun. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited. This is exactly the speed that Destiny should be at. And I know that she's going to be able to deliver this performance because that's the thing because she won Junior Eurovision. She won X Factor. You don't win those by being a boring performer. I'm very excited to see what the staging of this one looks like. Yes. I'm trying to come up with more. I'm just very positive on the song. I just like the vibe. Good job, Malta. Excellent work. Yeah. So that's 39 songs that we have, plus whatever Belarus delivers TBD. I feel like the second that we stopped recording last week, all of these controversies popped up. Some of them were kind of bubbling under the surface. We talked about North Macedonia last week, and when we recorded, we talked a little bit about the controversy with the music video, but I ended up cutting it because it felt like we were piling on. Not expecting it to blow up this week. The music video for Here I Stand, uh, Vessel Garvanliev's entry for North Macedonia, it was filmed in an art museum. And in one of the shots, there's a triptych piece that's hanging in the background, and it's the same colors as the Bulgarian flag. 
it wasn't the focus of the shot. It was in the background, but a lot of people noticed this. And the video, there's not really much in it to indicate that this is North Macedonia, other than it's their artist and their song, but no other iconography or flags to say that it's their entry. So yeah, it just gave a weird sense that, oh, is this Bulgaria's entry? Which, that's not great. So they re-edited the video, re-uploaded it to the Eurovision YouTube channel, and that piece was gone. Well, that was just one part of a very tough week for Vassal. A lot of people were not receptive to the song as North Macedonia's entry, and there were petitions and counter-petitions on whether or not he should be their representative, to the point where the North Macedonian broadcaster is conducting an investigation as to whether or not they should continue with Eurovision this year. Boo. Yeah, so that's been happening. And it's also highlighting some tensions that are happening between North Macedonia and Bulgaria. Some of them are deep-seated tensions that go way back to the Balkan Wars of the early 20th century. I will not get into the details of that. It came up in my research when we did the Albania episode back in December, and it is a whole thing. TM. As there was this groundswell of whether or not Vassal should be North Macedonia's representative, Bulgaria put out the offer of, if he doesn't go this year, we're more than happy to have him next year, which I'm not sure if that's helping or hurting Oh, yeah, like that that doesn't feel, on one hand, good on them for, for being like, hey, this sucks, we're here for you. On the other hand, not the best image right now when Macedonia is trying to figure out he is still their entry. Yeah, the whole thing is just an, an unfortunate mess. I am Team Vassal on this, and I think he should be North Macedonia's representative. I am also Team Vassal here. Come on, give the guy a chance. He seems like a real sweetie, and he deserves a chance. Yeah, and really, I don't see any sort of advantage of withdrawing at this point, because there's the financial penalty of withdrawing after the end of 2020 deadline for getting your deposit returned. But I think if you withdraw at this point, you're not allowed to compete for one or two years. There is some additional punishment on top of the monetary losses. So I think it's a bad long-term decision on North Macedonia's part, but we should find out soon what they determine and hopefully they make the correct call. Russia was also doing its own investigation of its entry There was an investigation for illegal lyrics in the new version of Russia's entry, which ultimately went nowhere? Pretty much. Yeah, they were investigating whether or not the lyrics of the song were anti-men. Like, it's fine if they're pro-women, but not if it's at the expense of men being taken down a peg. I don't know. The whole thing was just like, really? And it really contributes to how last minute everything was with Russia's selection, where They didn't vet this ahead of time. And even if you look at the translation of the lyrics, I have no idea what the grounding was for Mm -hmm. this. So it was another whole thing. Russia, there is pie for everyone. Just because a song is pro-women does not mean it is anti-men. And then Belarus is still a whole thing. Galaxy Zemesta is working on a new song. The EBU is like, okay, we will call your bluff. Give us the new song. There's no real specifics about when we're getting that. There's been rumors of end of the month which that is nine days. Mm-hmm. That, that feels like a lot of leeway to me, but I'm not in charge of this. That's a crazy amount of leeway. I don't know why they should get an extension. Their own internal deadline for song submissions was 
I believe January 31st. Why they should get an extra two weeks on top of this is a little puzzling to me. I guess we will continue to watch how that develops. Now that selection season is done, it's that kind of weird intermediate period before rehearsals get started where it's usually promo season. But what is that going to look like this year? So far from a news perspective, all of the news is everybody filming their live to tape performances, Mm -hmm. which yay, Bulgaria and a couple other sites for, for sharing their setups with other nations. That has been the thing I've enjoyed is just saying, oh, yay, everybody's teaming up and helping one another, another out with that portion of things and providing standardized spaces. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's been really quiet because Eurovision in concert, which typically happens sometime in April, has been postponed to next year for obvious reasons. The London Eurovision party has been canceled for obvious reasons. Madrid has said nothing for obvious reasons. Yeah. And I haven't even bothered looking into the other parties because it's just like, who, like, it. it's not going to happen. <laughs> so. What? No, 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 no. Lockdown and tighter restrictions as part of a potential third wave may be in play. So again, we're just trying to figure out what does this look like? One thing that popped up last year that was so delightful where I don't think there's been any confirmation one way or the other was the home concerts. Mm-hmm. I would love to see a season two. Everybody is obviously very busy getting their live to tape performances in right now. But once those are done, doing another season of those would be lovely. Yeah. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be this year's contestants, although I guess that is the point if it's going to be part of promo season. But if they wanted to bring back alumni to cover this year's songs, that could be interesting or distracting. It's such a different environment since the contest is actually happening this year that... I have to imagine a season two is awkward to plan. To figure out, yeah. Yeah. If we do get a season two and it is the current crop of performers, are there any covers that you would find interesting of one another's songs? What I would like to see is contestants from this year covering songs that share the name of their song. So Albina from Croatia doing Ukraine's TikTok from 2014. Effendi from Azerbaijan doing the 1976 version of Matahari that Norway sent. And, oh, I don't know, Vincent Bueno and Anna Soklich swapping amens and <laughs> seeing if maybe those work. The one that I had pinpointed as, this is fun for me and me specifically, is Tix and Elena swapping sides of the relationship. Oh, Yeah. Between Fallen Angel and El Diablo. I'm not sure if that's going to calm people down in No, Cyprus, I think it's only going to make things worse in, <laughs> in Cyprus, which is why I'm here as an agent of chaos. And then no one is allowed to cover Euphoria. No one. See, I was thinking either they force Hoover Phonic to uh, cover <laughs> Euphoria, yes. or they just do what they did with Love Shine a Light and have all of the artists cover it, have that be the very first song of the season, and then just be like, all right, we got Euphoria out of the way. Let's focus on one of the 1,600 other songs that exist in the catalog. That's also very good. I'm just picturing Hoover Phonic getting the Instagram choice of Euphoria or Euphoria. Yeah. (laughs) Or Euphoria and making your mind up. I I have... (laughs) (laughs) Death is not an option. Death is not. Uh, <laughs> an option. 
we can still have fun as we're waiting for th- things to happen in Eurovision land. And then in terms of how the actual contest is going to work, they've firmed up that they're going to be doing scenario B. It'll have smaller delegations, reduced in-person press presence. Normally they have about 1,500 press passes that they give out for in-person press during the rehearsals and Eurovision week. This year, it's going to be up to 500 in-person press passes, and then the rest is going to be online. And then traveling to Rotterdam, the delegations would need to quarantine for five days before arriving. They need to have a negative COVID test within 72 hours of flying, and the delegations would only be allowed to travel between their hotels and Rotterdam Ahoy. So no sightseeing, no meet and greets, nothing like that. We're still waiting on the decision on whether or not there will be an audience and we're probably not going to find out about that until like mid-April I think was the latest deadline that they set out for that and if there is no audience or it's a smaller audience they're probably going to use some audio enhancement stuff kind of like what Norway and I think a couple of the other selection series this season used so there's that and then the concept of the Eurovision Village is probably going to move online. So Rotterdam will still have some aspect of hosting Eurovision, even though it's probably not going to be the giant fan gathering mm-hmm. that it normally is, which understandable, but still kind of, oh. On the other hand, mm-hmm. I really hope that they take some of the activities like the Scandinavia party and do an online safe version of that, because I would absolutely turn that on in the background if that were happening during Eurovision week. Yeah, and then I guess... Figuring out what we're going to be doing as we lead up to coverage, because it's been a couple of years since we've had to do this. Yes, wait a minute. We didn't get to do this last year. So for those of you who are joining us and have not gone through our back catalog, here's what we're going to be doing. We have invited some friends of the show. Specifically, Mike and I have talked about these songs already, and we're going to continue talking about these songs just because entries grow and change as we listen to them in the field, as we look at what the running order is, as we look at who they're competing against. But it's also nice to bring in fresh perspective. So we're going to have some people who are less familiar with these songs come in and talk with us about what their takes on them are and see how that affects our takes on them. Yes, we'll be covering about five to six entries per week. For the first semifinal, it's going to be a little hokey since we don't have the running order just yet, but we'll be covering the first half of the semifinal, second half of the semifinal. Once we get a running order, we'll approach the songs in running order. But that'll probably happen around the time that we start talking about the second semifinal. It's going to be a lot of fun, though. I enjoy this immensely. I always love getting other musical perspectives outside my own when it comes to Eurovision. So I'm very Mm -hmm. excited about this. Those episodes start next week. Get hype. And then before we wrap up for this week, we have an announcement. We're launching a Patreon for the EuroWhat. We love making this show, and it has grown so much in the last three years. But there's more that we want to do, such as episode transcripts, and that kind of goes beyond what we're capable of providing without some form of financial help. Yeah. And just to be absolutely clear, this isn't a case of give us money or the show's going away. This is purely if you like what we're doing and you'd like to support us, head over to patreon.com slash for the details. And if you like what we're doing, but now isn't a good time because it's not a good time for anybody, that is not a problem at all. We're still going to be here. We're still going to be putting up episodes. We're not setting up a paywall. We are here for you. And that's that's why we make this show. We make the show because we like Eurovision. We make the show because we like engaging with the community around it. And this is so that we can do things like provide transcripts. 
That's going to do it for this episode of the Eurowhat. Thanks for listening. The Eurowhat podcast is hosted by Ben Smith, that's me, and Mike McComb. That's me. You can follow the Eurowhat on the podcast app of your choice. When you subscribe, leave us a review, let us know how we're doing, and help other Eurovision fans find us. Show notes are in the description of this episode or on our website at eurowhat.com. If you'd like to contact us, we're at Eurowhat on Twitter, or you can email eurowhatpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back next week to try and make sense of what's new in Eurovision. 